Service in the military demands full commitment of mind and body, and that service can take a toll, especially for the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines who go into combat on behalf of our nation. Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is an all too common side effect of military service, especially for our combat veterans. June is National PTSD Awareness Month, an effort to shine a light on issues related to PTSD, reduce the stigma associated with it, and help ensure that those suffering receive proper treatment. This episode of Veterans AZ is dedicated to spreading awareness and hope. If you or a loved one suffers from PTSD, there are people who want to help and who can help. In today's episode of Veterans AZ, we will meet people working on the front lines of PTSD treatment, including Dr. Brandy Ludke, a clinical psychologist and the program manager of the PTSD clinical team at the Phoenix VA Medical Center. First, we will speak with two young men, United States Army combat veterans of the War on Terror. Chad Aruda and Adam Bigelow are our Arizona Veterans of the Month. Their military service is laudable, but since then, they have dedicated themselves to helping fellow combat veterans heal the hidden wounds of war. I'm here with uh, Chatter and Adam Bigelow, both combat veterans of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And since then, uh, both active in helping fellow veterans through your work with the PTSD Foundation uh, of America. Thank you very much for joining us. Chad, at one point after your, your active duty service and then um, really serving in a similar capacity uh, through these uh, private organizations, um, when did you connect with the PTSD Foundation of America and, and what really drove you in that direction? Um, so for years now, I've had a buddy, a battle buddy of mine, a brother in arms that uh, has been struggling really bad with drug and alcohol abuse, both attempts of suicide. And it was just killing me, just, you know, there wasn't anything that I could do to help him. You know, I tried to go over and visit with him, try and talk with him, but it just, you know, couldn't get him off the couch, couldn't get him motivated. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of like, felt like he was a lost cause almost, you know. But uh, long story short, I was like, well, you know, what if I helped get involved here? Never, no nonprofit experience before. I volunteered on some things within within the community, but not anywhere near on the level of my involvement as, as now. Um, it's really, you know, shed light in my life on a lot of different ways. But, you know, it started in 2018 um, in the spring and the summertime, we went out and visited Camp Hope and I was hooked. I was like, I really want to help bring Camp Hope to, to his name is Felix. I was like, you know, I want to bring Camp Hope to him and, and hopefully we can get him help here. That's really great of you uh, for a brother in arms to, to continue working so hard uh, on his behalf. Um, so really for both of you, PTSD is, is personal. Yeah. Uh, it's a personal thing. And I want to talk to you, Adam. Uh, you're a survivor and, and you were almost one of those veterans whose lives was claimed yeah. uh, by this uh, by post-traumatic stress. Can you tell us about that day where uh, where a well-timed call from your from your wife, I believe it was, literally saved your life? Yeah, it was, I was in my lowest moment. Um, leading up to that, 
I have my issues and in, in when I was in Afghanistan, my third deployment is when I started noticing I was having a lot of different issues. And um, I reached out, we all do like the post uh, health assessment on the little PDAs, you know, and what you've seen, if it's been dead bodies or whatever. Uh, and the last question is, do you want help? Do you want to see somebody? And I checked yes, and nobody contacted me. Nobody got a hold of me. Um, and when I got home, I really started getting into alcohol. Um, same thing we did once we come stateside you do that all over again you know and i right there i was like yeah i want to talk to somebody and nobody did anything again um so it kind of spiraled even more and i started getting to drugs and alcohol uh until it was this uh until i couldn't do it anymore um and it was actually during christmas time i sent my family back here to arizona uh, and i would be coming told them i'd be coming in a couple days to meet up with them because uh, i told them i had some work stuff to do and uh, yeah, I uh, I got on my knees in in my bedroom, and I, I put my my pistol in my mouth. And uh, I know it sounds cliche, like movie thing, but I was real, honestly starting putting pressure on the trigger. And my phone rang, and it's a it's a picture of my wife uh, with our kids, and that's what it saved my life. Like just seeing them, it uh it just pulled the pistol out, and that's when I knew I'm like, I, I need a lot of help. Um, so that that's that was really basically it. Uh, I needed help. Um, that's where I got involved with the foundation, which also saved my life. Because um, there's something about going somewhere that's not clinical, but sitting with other combat veterans that have been through it and are going through it, and being able to share the stories and connection with each other, and know that all those feelings that you're feeling, you're not alone in that so many are suffering and dealing with the same things and uh yeah it just absolutely saved my life um and i did all my groups uh in washington in our chapter there uh, and i came back to arizona and we weren't here yet the foundation wasn't here yet and it's with mental health when you don't have that support and you don't have those things you start sliding back very rapidly you can be two years in programming and without support, you start rapidly going back. Uh, I went to school for welding. I went to school for furniture making. And then I was like, well, I don't like working around people. I don't like these environments still. Uh, so I'm going to get my CDL and I'm going to drive a truck. I'll be all by myself. And then I realized, I'm like, well, that's not a place where someone that's always in their head to be is alone for most of the time. Um, and I, I just started really struggling. And uh, I always say God uses the phone uh, to save me. Um, because I was doing a haul to California, uh, and the mentor I had that was in Washington chapter, he, uh, he called me and, you know, and said, Hey, we have an opportunity and a need in Arizona to start a chapter. And we thought of you and do you want, would you be interested? Uh, and so we talked for about a couple hours. I pulled the truck over at a truck stop. We talked for a while and, uh, the foundation f flew me over to, uh, Camp Hope just to check it out like that. Cause I never went to Camp Hope myself. I was just in our warrior groups and mentoring sessions with mentor. Um, so I was there and I was, I was like, yeah, absolutely want to be involved. So like, all right, well go ahead and, you know, if you're ready, give your work, you know, two weeks notice and uh, we'll get you started. And I was like, well, I already gave him two weeks notice and uh, I'm ready to start tomorrow. So this is really, this is veterans helping veterans. Yes. And, and I know the, the mission of the PTSD Foundation is specific to combat veterans. Why is that distinction uh, important? Uh, the peer-to-peer -peer support. Um, 
you know, like you had touched on, you know, it's not a clinical setting. Like I'm not going into the VA and talking to someone that just graduated from med school and trying to tell them about my problems because they'll never understand, you know, what's going through my mind. That's what makes the, the PTSD Foundation of America so unique is it's all based off of peer-to-peer -peer support from combat veterans only. And, you know, everyone at Camp Hope has been through the Camp Hope program and all the employees, the staff, they're all been through been through Camp Hope. So you want to be a mentor? It's all combat veterans. The, the camaraderie, I think, and the brotherhood that it brings back is, is unlike any other organization that you're going to find that's out there. And you, you just, you know, within a few minutes, it's not for everybody. It's not an end-all, be-all. But there are a lot of a lot of people that it does work for, and you can relate, and uh, it's a big trust thing. Adam, you mentioned the the warrior groups. Mm -hmm. That seems like really a, a cornerstone component of this program. It is absolutely. Um, not everybody needs inpatient care. Uh, some just need that camaraderie or that support from their brothers and sisters um, to just deal with what they're dealing with in life. Uh, so. Those are very key, and it's also key for aftercare. So when someone does go to an inpatient program, if it's ours or someone else's, they can come to us, and now they have that support. Because that's the, one of the worst things. That's what happened to me, is I went and got help, but I had no aftercare after it. So you just kind of slide back. And with us, you can come and still have mentorship and fellowship with your fellow combat veterans. Um, and to kind of touch on like what you're talking about with Chad, like why we just specifically do combat, that doesn't mean that nobody else is worthy or they don't have issues, but it'd be like sending an alcoholic to uh, a drug program or sending a drug addict to an alcohol program. Like you send people to where they can get the help that they need for their specific reasons. You know, trauma is trauma, it is. But combat guys, and as veterans, we all know, like you can sit in a room of veterans and for some reason and somehow all the combat veterans start coming together and they just start talking and like clicking. It's just, it's just that it is, it's that camaraderie. That's that stuff that you went through that other people just don't understand what you've seen, like the different countries and the way of life that's there and all of the chaos that's involved with it, you know? So it's, yeah, it's so important. And I, I just wanted to be able to say that because it's not saying we're not saying that you're a veteran if you didn't go deploy that you don't matter or your traumas don't matter it's just we specialize in combat and just like and even if you're not combat and you want need help and you don't know where to reach call us we started a whole coalition out here with a lot of different organizations to be able to do that what would you say to someone who who is watching this uh, a combat veteran uh who's who's struggling with ptsd and and Maybe they're not sure they need help or, or want help. What would you say to them? We are, we, are, we are trained in the military um, that asking for help is weakness or mental health is weakness. And going through this in my life, I realized that it, it is the hardest and it takes the most strength of anything to be able to reach out and just ask for help. If you're struggling, reach out. You're not alone. All it is is if you can get over that first hurdle of calling and asking, it gets easier and easier. Um, if you're not sure, call. If you're even battling those questions, like, I don't know if I should need help. I don't know. More than likely, if you're already in your head 
asking that question to yourself, you can uh, you can use help. Uh, and there's different levels, you know. Uh, obviously, mental health uh, in our in our day and age is rampant, um, but there are so many different levels. And that's one thing that's amazing about having that support group like what we have is you have guys that are do very very well that have some episodes once in a while and you have ones that are really really struggling so and everywhere in between so you get to feed off of each other and learn from each other like well, all the things i've tried that didn't work i can tell you everything that i tried i'm not saying that they don't work for you i'm telling you to go out and try everything like that's what i do like everything that is offered i'm like i'm going if it doesn't work okay it didn't work or i, I didn't enjoy it but that doesn't that's not the end of the world there's something else uh, and so just keep trying and trying and just know you're not alone and it takes a lot of strength. You're not weak. You're not broken. That's one thing with PTSD. A lot of people think that we're, we're broken or something went wrong. And if you actually look at the science of the brain, everything worked completely correct. That fight, that flight, that is your brain's response to that stuff. It's just something got a little thing where we're stuck there. It's not that you're broken. Everything worked perfectly. But now we just got to retrain your brains to live a normal or what we call a new normal life. You know, obviously all of us combat vets, we will never be the person we were before we saw combat. There's always going to be aspects of us that, yes, are the same. But we're always going to have a different take on a lot of different things because of the things we went through. And that's okay. Like, that's all right. Just take ownership of like, yeah, this is my life. I went through it's a chapter. It's not written in stone where like, this is where I have to be stuck at. Like I went through this, so that's where I have to live my life. That's not it. Like that's just a chapter. Your life's a whole book and you're in chapter two. So let's move from chapter two and get into chapter three so we can keep writing chapter four and five and six so we can become the person that you want to become so you can enjoy life again. Especially here in Arizona. Yeah. Um, just to touch base on what Adam was saying, you know, we were uh, you know, one in 10 states of the veteran population of over 500,000 with 400,000 of those veterans being wartime veterans. Um, we're close to, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it's somewhere around like 28 to 30% higher than the national suicide rate for veterans. So there is a big need here in Arizona. Uh, and those veterans that are most susceptible are from the ages of 18 to 36. So um, the Iraq, Afghanistan war veterans are there for some reason that's it's really, really spiked up the, the number of, of veteran suicides that we're seeing. But uh, Arizona, you know, we're one of the most acceptable states to this. And, you know, we're here. We're, yeah. we're trying to help. We're trying to make a difference. Well, thank you both uh, so much for, for joining us today. And, and thank you for all you're doing for veterans in our community. Um, we know that, that our veterans are worthy. Mm -hmm. and and those who who need help deserve the help so yeah. thank you so much for for what you're doing and and for joining us today yeah thank you yeah. for having us thank on. you for having appreciate us it. appreciate that many thanks go to chad and adam and the people and organizations who support our veterans one thing we know about PTSD is that it can affect anyone of any rank, any background, ethnicity, or life experience. In this video from the U.S. Army Reserve Support Command, Brigadier General Ernest Latinsky shares his personal story of recovery from trauma in hopes of encouraging others to seek the same help that changed his life for the better. 
no, life's not fair, but uh, you learn to drive on. So I, I lost a one-year-old daughter and uh, had some time in the service as well and lost some buddies to include a really good friend in Afghanistan. And you learn to drive on. You come home and you do what you got to do. Uh, you stay strong. You don't show weakness. I'm worried that there was a stigma associated with some of the things I went through. And uh, there's shame if you show weakness. And that's the way I felt you know, through some of these traumatic experiences. I didn't realize I had some symptoms. On, on, it really was forgetfulness, uh, disinterest in activities, uh, didn't want to have relationships, had some nightmares, hit my wife in bed during my sleep. And uh, my wife just learned to deal with it somehow and to support me, not knowing all these experiences I went through and the effect that they have on me. The aggression, the fear, the anxiety, they never manifested themselves in my professional life. I was doing well as a uh, captain in industry and uh, in the military I had a great career as well with early promotions and uh, doing all the right things and, and helping soldiers out in getting ready for what we needed to do go to war. There was a day at work I was having chest pains and I literally thought I was having a heart attack. My civilian employer actually called an ambulance. I went to the emergency room. Uh, I had a full battery of tests for my heart, uh, see if there's any pulmonary conditions and neurological issues that I may have had. And I came out as a fully functional, fully physical fit individual. Uh, at this point in life, I didn't know that these were all signs of, of post-traumatic stress. So about another month after that, my general practitioner diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress. I could put on a regimen of different pills, everything from benzos to clonazepam for prescribed medication on a daily basis. I'm not sure how my wife handled this. She's, she's an angel and a much stronger person than me. Uh, she put up with me and handled the household and uh, it came to a culminating point uh, about three years into this that, that she told me she can't handle it anymore and I needed to seek help. December 30th, 2009, is the day that my wife helped and changed my life by telling me to go to the Veterans Administration. Uh, three days later, January 2nd, 2010, I was in the emergency room in urgent care. I started going through what would be a journey for the rest of my life. About a month later, I saw a psychologist, uh, Dr. C. Uh, to this day, she's another person that's helped me in life. Uh, I asked her for my 90-day plan and my road to getting better, and uh, that was 10 years ago to the day. There is no 90-day plan. There's not a one-day plan. There's not a one-year plan or a decade-long plan. It's different for everyone, but I could guarantee you, if you seek treatment and get some help, you will get better. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that the relationship I have with my wife and now three children is a lot better. Uh, I've fully progressed. I'd like to share my story today probably for, for the fact that uh, I know what I went through and, and other folks should not have to go through the same thing. There's no stigma. There's no fear that you should have. Uh, there's no shame with, with getting help for a mental health disorder. And at the end of the day, it's really got the opposite effect. If you go get help, you're gonna be a stronger person be a stronger soldier, husband or wife, brother or sister. 
My name is Brigadier General Ernie Latinsky, and I have post-traumatic stress. A consistent theme of our focus on PTSD in this episode is people, those who are affected and the many who are available and dedicated to helping. Dr. Brandy Ludke leads a clinical team at the Phoenix VA Medical Center focused on treating veterans struggling with PTSD. We caught up with Dr. Ludke to learn about the VA's work in this important area. I'm here with Dr. Brandy Ludke, uh, clinical psychologist and head of the PTSD clinical team at the Phoenix VA Medical Center. Uh, Dr. Ludke, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, as we're in the month of June and it's PTSD Awareness Month, um, we're trying to shine a light on PTSD and help raise awareness about treatment options. Maybe we could start by understanding the scope of the issue. How common is PTSD among our veterans? So trauma exposure is fairly common. So one in two people will be exposed to a traumatic event, but doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go on for a diagnosis of PTSD. It's slightly higher in the veteran population military due to exposure to things like war and combat. Um, but generally in the population, it's about 7% of, of people have a diagnosis of PTSD. Like I said, it's slightly higher with the military population, ranging from anywhere from 13 to um, some of the Vietnam numbers are around 30%. And how does PTSD manifest itself? What, uh, what sorts of problems or ailments uh, are associated with the disorder? So first is that criteria A, which is an exposure to a traumatic event in which you felt yourself or someone else's life was threatened. Maybe you witnessed this. It can be anything from combat exposure to things like hurricanes, fires, uh, car accidents, and so forth, sexual assault. And then after that, if you go on to have what we call different clusters of symptoms for at least a six month period, then you'll receive a diagnosis of PTSD. And so we look at it in kind of four clusters. So things like re-experiencing symptoms. So the person with PTSD re-experiences the trauma in some way. This could be things like nightmares, intrusive thoughts and memories that pop in their mind, flashbacks, um, which is a little less common, I think, than maybe what the media or movies portray, um, but sometimes people do feel as if they're going through the event once again and kind of lose touch with kind of the here and now and the present. So they have to have at least one symptom of re-experiencing as well as hyperarousal. So things like being very keyed up on edge, um, irritability, so um, hypervigilance, maybe checking their surroundings, um, not liking maybe people to sit behind them in a restaurant or or to be standing behind them, um, kind of having your head on the swivel, as well as changes in mood and cognition. So um, a lot of times it's very uncomfortable to feel very hypervigilant, so they wanna avoid those things. So that's another cluster, avoiding people, places, situations, and feelings that remind them of the traumatic event. And this leads to the kind of shutting down those emotions. Because they're so painful, we wanna push them away. And so we notice that perhaps maybe folks that had more of a positive outlook on life prior to trauma might start to look at the world as maybe completely dangerous or no one can be trusted. Um, their mood may be more, you know, kind of more depressed or kind of more pessimistic than before. So we look at those different clusters and ensure that it, it lasts over that six month or more period for a diagnosis of PTSD. 
how can a family member or a friend of someone um, who is suffering from this but maybe doesn't want help or think they need help, um, how can uh, someone in that situation help someone else who may be resistant? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a good question. We, we do get that a lot. I get a lot of phone calls from concerned loved ones, you know, saying that I think my, my friend or my partner is, is experiencing PTSD, how can I help? Um, and the biggest thing is really just to be supportive and, and to be there, let them know that, that, that you are there as a support system because we know that that's a huge buffer for PTSD symptoms and recovery. Um, I think another thing too is not necessarily to pry about details, but just you know, just allowing them to know that that they're there if they want to talk. So, what should be the first step for someone who's suffering from PTSD and and they're ready for help but they don't know what to do? <laughs> so, I would definitely recommend to check out the National Center for PTSD website. Um, like I said, it has different um, treatment options, and there's also what we call a shared decision model. And so you can kind of walk yourself through about different options, what you might think might be a good fit for you, try to get a sense of, of what you think might be helpful. Um, and, and we're always at the VA open. You know, we have walk-in services in our general mental health clinic where people can get connected. Um, you can talk to your primary care provider that can, um, you know, contact myself as a program manager. and We can get people into, even if it's just to talk about treatment options and to, or even just to assess for PTSD, I think can be helpful. Um, so maybe if, if uh, the person's not technically ready for trauma treatment, we do have other services, though, too, that we can provide. And, and I do want to say, too, that not all the treatments involve talking in great detail about the trauma. Um, like I mentioned, the avoidance is, is a key kind of ingredient with PTSD. And so oftentimes that's what hinders people from seeking treatment is that they don't want to talk about the worst event that's ever happened, which makes sense. Um, but we do have other treatments where you might write about it or you just kind of process what are the thoughts surrounding the event. Do you blame yourself? Do you blame someone else for, for what happened? And kind of looking at those different thoughts that keep people stuck with PTSD. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want anybody to be scared off by thinking that I have to go into a ton of detail about a particular you know, event. What would you say to someone who, who's watching this and, and struggling with PTSD, but maybe not sure they want help or need help? <laughs> Again, I would, I would just look at the resources that they have online, um, you know, talk to other people. I, I mentioned Be Connected, you know, looking at testimonials of people that have been there. Um, and oftentimes, you know, veterans find out that, you know, their battle buddies or their friends have also suffered from PTSD. So I think just having that open dialogue can be helpful. Um, and they can always call the VA. Like I said, I, my number's online as well, too, and they can call me directly if they have questions. What else would you like to people to know about the resources and programs uh, for treating PTSD that are um, that are available through the clinic here at the Phoenix VA Medical mm -hmm. Center? Um, I'd, I'd like to highlight, too, that we do a lot of telehealth, even pre-pandemic. We were doing video appointments to try to outreach to some of the, the pockets further out in Arizona that might not be able to make it to the main hospital for treatment. Um, so I always encourage people that, you know, we, we try to accommodate as, as much as possible that, I've worked with veterans that childcare is an issue. So when the baby goes down for a nap, we do a session, you know, and they can stay at their house. Um, so, so telehealth is a really big option. Um, like I said, we have lots of different treatment options too. We, we work really hard to try to figure out what's a good fit and to meet the veteran where they're at. Um, and, and just the recovery is possible. And so we're gonna have a, our first inaugural PTSD summit. It'll be virtual this year. Hopefully it'll be in person next year. Um, and we're partnering with the Prescott and the Tucson VA as well, too. So we'll be 
It's June 29th from 9 to 12, and we'll be showing different presentations on things like moral injury. Uh, traumatic brain injury is also very common with PTSD if they've been in some sort of blast or explosion. Um, intimacy and, and various topics. We'll be discussing the evidence-based therapies that we provide and that every VA across the country provides. Um, and just doing kind of a Q&A and having other, other veterans share their stories. So we're really excited about that event. And so this summit is something that's open to anybody who wants to attend. Yep. And we hope that they will share it with their family and friends so that they have more awareness too of what PTSD might look like and how they might be able to help. Recovery is possible. So we want to try to reach as many veterans as we can. Thank you so much, Dr. Ludke, for, for all that you and your clinical team are doing to help our veterans. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you. VA programs like those offered by Dr. Ludke and her colleagues at the Phoenix VA Medical Center are among the many benefits available to veterans. Veterans can conveniently manage their health care with My Healthy Vet, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs online patient portal. My Healthy Vets features enable veterans to refill VA prescriptions, track health measures, view personal health information, and more. Learn more about My Healthy Vet at myhealth.va.gov. Throughout the month of June, you'll find different ways you can help learn about, support, and help raise awareness of PTSD. Learn more at ptsd.va.gov. You can find more information about the PTSD Foundation of America at ptsdusa.org. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Veterans AZ, and thank you to Chad, Adam, Dr. Ludke, and everyone who is working each day to give veterans the support they have earned. Find full-length interviews, past episodes, and more information at veteransaz.org. You can also find Veterans AZ in your favorite podcast app.